A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, we come to you at 20 past 10 UK time, 20 past 11 Paris time. And there are still how many matches still in play, Matt, at Roland Garros? A tournament that doesn't have night sessions? Yes, which they say very proudly on their website. No night <laughs> sessions in 2020. I beg to differ. Do they? Um, there <laughs> are still three matches going on. And yes, this, this feels like the day where the French Open caught up with the rest of the Grand Slams, and now they've got a roof, they've got some lights, and they've decided to use every bit of time in the day and night and fill it with tennis. And we're here to cover it. And there's a, there's a good chance that uh, Medvedev and Fuchovic will still be doing that in about 17 hours' time. Now, I commentated on the first two yeah. sets of that and handed over to a colleague, and <laughs> I feel like... Um, I've handed him a grenade because, of course, Medvedev is fighting back and has won the third set. Um, yeah, and of course, John Millman, David, your prediction for the day is uh, is busy losing. Yeah, well, I mean, he's finally pulled his finger out while he's two sets and a breakdown. He suddenly started to play like Rafael Nadal. And so, you know, maybe there's life in it yet. We better stay Shall on until Shall we the start with Rafael Nadal, the 12-time champion? Yeah, I can't think of that. anyone mm. quite as worthy as that to start with. I didn't see a ball of this because <laughs> I was watching Alexander Bublik uh, be kind of fabulous uh, on Suzanne Longlen. So who watched Rafael Nadal take to this brand new, cold, roofed Philippe Chatrier court for the first time in a competitive match? I saw all of it. I commentated on it for BBC Radio, and um, w- was the roof on? I, w- I said well, roof. First thing I'd was the roof on because it was a. Was it? It was. No, I it was a. I it was a think day it two was, halves. Was it? it started no, off because... looking like the it just genuine apocalypse. It looked like well, there's just no way anyone is going to play tennis in this weather at any stage today. Um, start to play was delayed by about an hour and a half, and then actually. Sort of within a couple of hours of play starting, it 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 felt quite dry, um, and there was even some blue sky around. So, I think Matt, you're saying that by the time Nadal came onto court, that was that was the case. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the first two matches, I think, were under the roof, and then the second two were not under the roof. Um, and I mm. I watched a bit of this match, David. I'm sh- I'm sure we'll be able to talk about it in more detail. Um, but there were there were a few things that struck me. One was that Nadal is trying to tie Federer's Grand Slam record at this tournament, and I feel like it's not really been talked about that much. I just think there's so much else going on, you know, with the fact that we're actually seeing Nadal back at Roland Garros. Roland Garros is happening in September and October. It's COVID times and there's so much else to talk about. But I mean, that is a massive, massive deal and massive, massive storyline. And I don't know, I just feel like it's very much under the radar. I don't know whether it's just me or whether that is the general sense that you're getting from this tournament as well. Well, David, you commentated, didn't you? How much were you talking about that narrative in the commentary today? I, I got to be honest. I, I think you're, you're right. We didn't talk about it really, and and it does feel overlooked. I, I noticed one of our colleagues. I don't know whether it was John Wertheim or Chris Clary just tweeted the other day. By the way, Rafa Nadal is trying to equal Roger Federer's record on the men's side for most Grand Slam singles titles, and and that says it all. We're not talking about it, and I don't really know why. Um, and perhaps we're just too far away at this stage. Perhaps, as you say, there are just so many other stories knocking around. That's probably what it is. At, at the moment, I think everybody's just trying to get used to this scenario, this environment in Paris that nobody's really used to. And actually, what we were talking about in this match was how that was affecting Nadal on a more micro level. Just does he look like he normally does at the start of a tournament? The first thing I should say is his opponent, Igor Gerasimov, who's 83 in the world, six foot five inches tall from Belarus. He was really good. He he played a really good match. And it was the first two sets were pretty close. It was a single break of serve. He's a strapping guy who just belts the ball. He didn't shrink in, in the situation against Nadal. And Nadal had to really sort himself out in order to to get the win um and and he was he was very professional he came out i i mean when he arrived on court i had another Mm. one of those moments where where i just thought god this is not not the same you know we had the long reveal of all of his grand slam all of his french open titles listed by uh, the announcer which which was quite funny but when he walked onto the court and there all the 1000 people that had come to to watch who had got tickets for the day gave him the round of applause and normally what you get with nadal is because it's such an ovation and there's so much noise he'll sort of wave with both hands one at a time one with the racket one with his hand and this time he just did a single hand wave because there wasn't really any noise because there aren't any people to make a big noise and that that whole thing just it didn't feel quite right now in terms of his performance first of all i thought his outfit's really cool he's wearing sort of manchester city sky blue quite liked that how many layers of it in terms of the well he, he was he came out in a jacket but then apart from that he just went straight for the normal outfit he didn't look like he was wrapped up at all but his tennis was good, I thought, pretty good. But it feels a little inhibited. My my look at it after two and a half sets was that doesn't look like quite the same tennis as it does in the daytime in May. 
Um, now, maybe I'm searching too hard. Maybe I'm looking for that too much. But the clay looks different on that court to me to how it used to. I think part of it is because it's under lights. And it, even in the daytime, sometimes it's under lights. And it sort of glistens a little. But it looks wet. The clay looks like it's little bits of mud rather than dust. It, it doesn't have the same texture at least to, look, to my um, eyes cl- and, and so when doesn't it there there are big clumps yeah. of it around and, like, and, like a really bad quality mascara <laughs> couldn't possibly comment <laughs> yeah that's just what i was thinking i was, I was thinking exactly the same thing but when i mean we, we had a debate on the radio Try, I, I get very confused when people talk about, oh, these conditions suit Stan Wawrinka. He can hit through the clay. Hang on, well, we, we all said Nadal? exactly that on last night's podcast. No, but I understand that. But I don't understand why some people are described as that and other people's games appear to be stunted by it, really. But that seems to be what happens to, you, to you Nadal. You think Nadal now, is stunted by these conditions? Well, he looked it to me. I mean, he was still he still won. He still played well enough. Fine, he won six four, six four, six two. But I should say he went a breakdown in the in the third set, love two down, and then poor old Garasimov turned his ankle and just couldn't run after the ball properly after that. Um, and look, he wasn't about to make a comeback at all. It was going to be straight sets. And I'm convinced of that. But and this was only the first match Nadal played, but it still didn't look like we've seen most of Nadal's first round matches at Roland Garros over the last twelve years or over the last twelve titles he's won. It, the ball just doesn't do the same thing off the surface. It seems to me that it does every other year. Yeah, there isn't the same violence off his strings and off the court as we so often see at Roland Garros. I was trying to work out whether that was a conditions thing or it was simply that Nadal hasn't quite hit his stride yet because this is only his, what, fourth match back since the lockdown. And we know that Nadal is a guy who needs reps and needs matches to kind of get going and get up to full force. And maybe it was a little combination of the two. Um, I mean, he's definitely talking a lot about the conditions, saying they're not ideal and, and the ball isn't ideal for him as well. And... I believe him when he says that. I think he's I think he is quite honest. Some people maybe think that it's excuse making or Nadal being sort of overly sensitive to those sorts of things, but I actually think he's telling the exact truth and this these conditions aren't ideal for his game. But there's still something that I can't I can't back against him. It's still Roland Garros, it's still clay, it's still five sets. Until we see someone actually beat him under these conditions when Nadal is healthy, because I think you could argue that that's never really happened when Nadal's been healthy and kind of at his best. I still am really struggling to find a hard time to believe that it actually will happen. Now, it might, and it is a different tournament. These conditions are going to be so fascinating to monitor throughout these two weeks. But I think Nadal said he was reasonably happy with his start. It was kind of what he was expecting from himself. And he's got he's got a couple more rounds before he's going to need to find find higher gears, I think. I do also wonder how how nervous and anxious he would have been today. Um, you know, the, the, the conditions thing, he knows everything you've, you've just said, David, he knows these conditions are not optimal for him. And I think that would be 
causing him some anxiety. I think the the thing with the balls, not only do the balls not suit his style of play, but they also a lot of uh, I've had a lot of players talking about them being them causing greater risk of injury. Um, that the heaviness of them, um, just just wearing the body down more, and I I could imagine that would be something that would be perhaps preying on Nadal's mind until he's until he's grown in confidence with them. Um, so I think it would have been a look. I'm <laughs> I'm trying to make myself feel better about the fact that I've got him winning this thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I do just wonder if if that would have been a a significant factor for him today i think uh, yeah I, I think he does voice his anxieties when he's when he's down playing things or when he sounds concerned i think it is because he's concerned mm. because mm. he's worried about things even with all these titles behind him i don't think he's making that up and that's just i think he is like that so that was nadal who was third on chatrier today uh he followed serena williams onto court, David, who for the second slam running was facing Christy Arn, her countrywoman, the American number 18 uh, in mm. uh, in the opening round. Uh, you you covered that match as well, I believe, or you certainly watched large yeah, portions yeah. of it. And uh, and Serena Williams, who I think I've picked to win the title for about the eighth you, you slam in a row picked, as well. You think you've picked, or you <laughs> definitely, definitely have picked her to beat Jennifer Brady in I the final. I definitely have. Yes, I have. Correct. Um, look, the, this match was s- such a contrast between the first and second sets. The first set took an hour and 14 minutes. She was a breakdown against uh, Christiane, who played really well in that first set. Serena looked uncomfortable on the surface. And, and it again reminded me that this is a woman who hasn't played a match on clay yet this year. Um, she's come straight from the US Open. And she just didn't look comfortable out there at all. She was getting put off balance by her opponent. Her opponent's really good play. There was a point at four games all where she smashed a backhand winner down the line and really let it out, all the frustration and, and nervousness. And, and she, she did look nervous out there at that point. She looked anxious. Um, but she got through it, got through that first set on a tie break. And then in the second set, she was a different player totally different player the second set was less than half an hour um and she'd found a footwork it seemed to me she doesn't move like a Simona Halep around the court as as a player who looks like she's been born on the surface but she's learned how to plant her feet in a in an effective way to give her the foundation to to deliver her powerful ground strokes and goodness me was she doing that and that, and that's the other thing isn't it when we talk about players who can hit through a surface I think that's something that Serena Williams can do and talking to Mars McLagan on BBC Radio when we were, we were trying to get to the bottom of this conditions thing as well as the surface he was talking about the air the ball not flying through the air and, and it can also be a ball type as well that makes a player like Serena Williams or Stan Wawrinka rush uh, on this surface, in these conditions, they're not being forced to rush. They've got a t- chance to set themselves and really go after you. Uh, and, and she looked really good. By the end of it, she looked happy. She looked she looks really confident. Um, I mean, it's only one round, but 
I'd say Serena Williams looked in a pretty good place after that first match to me. Have we heard any uh, comments from the likes of Nadal and Serena Williams, the sort of superstar players in the draw, about the fact that they're having to stay in the tournament-designated hotels? Is my image of Nadal and Serena Williams in sort of adjacent rooms at the the out-of-town Holiday Inn, is that a reality or am I... It's a good question. You know, we were, we were talking on air about that with Russell Fuller, who's out there, uh, part of the BBC team. And, and he said that she had been asked about it because she'd stayed in this house in New York and that she didn't explicitly reference that she was staying there. But that's where it's believed she is staying, uh, like everybody is. But it's, um, it is an interesting one, isn't it? It's a totally different setup. Um and yeah, I mean, especially as but she's so many as well. so many players are are superstitious and creatures of total habit. Just being removed from that comfort zone and just having something something like that forced upon you. Now I know we are in a time when everybody's having all sorts of things forced upon them um, that are that are difficult to cope with. But just that feeling of that sort of really significant element of your life being out of your control i can imagine that being being quite a big big obstacle mentally i mean when was the last time serena williams would have had to deal with something like that with dealing with you know a leaky a leaky shower or a you know a slightly (laughs) uncomfortable mattress yeah Uh, russell was mentioning that he is staying in a completely different hotel this year deliberately just because he doesn't want to feel lonely uh, in the way and think of the people that he would normally stay at a hotel with when when everybody in the team is there you know because there's only him and a couple of other british media members doesn't want to be comparing um, the experience to to normal french yeah. opens that's interesting it, it, exactly yeah uh, and i don't i don't know i mean look she i think she's i don't know whether she's got her family there i'm pretty sure she would have i don't think williams would would come frankly without uh, without her daughter there um, but um, no, I, I haven't heard a, a huge amount. But she seemed to me in a good place. Olympia's just on a camp bed by the trouser press. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she gets a bigger room than our slot. <laughs> My holiday, um, in, uh, yeah, I can I can touch all four I, walls. Uh, I heard that little segment your chat with Russell on the radio earlier, and I, f- I found it generally really, really fascinating. The experience that Russell is having. I know there are a few. British journalists out there he's the only radio journalist out there and he's the only member of your team there so he's sort of dialing in remotely to the the bigger setup of of you and the team in Salford and just all of the elements of that were really fascinating and he said in black and white he said this does not feel like a grand slam and as much as I've heard people's you know putting that on Twitter or seen people putting that on Twitter that really took me aback somebody is as measured as Russell saying that. This does not feel like a yeah. Grand Slam tournament. I agree. Uh, we were, Should we stop uh, doing dailies now? I, I, pre- I pretty much had to ask him to repeat that because it took me aback as well. But it makes perfect sense in terms of atmosphere. He, he's somebody who's been going to all of the Grand Slams for the last seven or eight years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's his first experience. He didn't go to the US Open which I guess in some ways might have been more jarring still because of literally nobody being there at all. 
Um, but yeah, this is, I think, you know, we've dis- described your experience there, Catherine, through the crowds in the past and how cramped the place normally is. And at the same time is that it's also buzzing. Well, it's neither of those things at the moment. Um, and at this time of year as well, with the weather as it is, it, it, it's just weird. Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting comparison to the US Open because, you know, we heard from Mary on the grounds at the US Open and, okay, we heard from her later in the tournament when she'd really seemed to em- embrace being there. And certainly I think to her, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I think she would say it did feel like a Grand Slam being at the US Open. So why does the French Open feel different? And I I would agree, even from a viewing experience, it's all a little bit weirder. And I, I was thinking about this, and I guess maybe because the US Open was just the US Open without fans. But this is a French Open at a completely different time of year, as you've said, David, and there's a lack of fans. It just maybe all contributes to it not quite feeling right and also we're seeing the french open at night for the first time because they've got these lights and i don't know about you but i'm finding these sort of concrete stands at night quite spooky and eerie and quite difficult to watch um and it's, it's just not what we're used to and therefore it doesn't i don't know whether it doesn't feel like a grand slam which just doesn't quite feel like the french open i guess maybe they're the same they're the same thing but um yeah, I I would certainly agree that it's a different feeling to the US Open. Yeah, Daniel Medvedev's got, just gone out. Got by extra the way, zombie apocalypse vibes about it. This one hasn't it? Daniel Medvedev has gone out. Yeah, he's extended his clay court losing streak to six six matches. Wow! Mm. Talking about players who can't hit through the court, his shots have no impact, yep. do they? On no, clay? he just had. He had nothing. He was just hanging in the whole time. And he, he couldn't possibly have been trying harder to to get some kind of foothold in the match against Martin Fucevic. But Fucevic just had all this time, you know, like you were describing there with Serena Williams. He, he just seemed to have time to do whatever he wanted with, with the ball. He could inject a bit of pace if he wanted to. And he just, he looked so in his comfort zone because... I think he realised early on that there's nothing this guy can do to hurt me. He just, he didn't yeah. look like, well, I'm playing the number four seed here. I've got to, I've got to be right at the top of my game or, or I'm toast. You know, even when, because it wasn't a, it wasn't a brilliant performance from Fucevic. It was patchy in places. And, but when he hit a few errors or lost his serve, he, he sort of looked at him in, he looked like he still thought, yeah, but I've got this. Because Medvedev wasn't asking any big questions, really. He didn't He didn't have any weapons to do damage no. out there. Fucevic always looked like the top 10 player in the world or top five player in the world, and the other guy looked lo- lower ranked quite considerably. Yeah, on his first uh, break point that he faced, Medvedev, he had an under- hit an underarm serve. And that was marvellous, and he deserved a set for that alone. Um, but alas, didn't didn't get him one. Uh, and there was you had a couple of those today. There you? was a yes, there was a a ten out of ten racket smash from Medvedev. Really perfect form and technique. Um, he completely mangled the racket in one one movement, which I think is 
is crucial to the optimum optimum racket smash and he did it uh, at 6-3 down in the second set tie break uh, already training by a set so not an important moment or anything and he did it in full knowledge that he already had one warning so he was just he was just conceding the set so I'm pleased for him that he he did a good racket smash and he didn't concede the set with a, a limp sort of a bouncer um but yeah, it was it was it was not world number five Daniil Medvedev out there today. No, he he did come up with a l- couple of little bits of aggro, didn't he? He did one body shot at uh, Fuchovic, which uh, Fuchovic didn't like. And he said, at all. "Hey, man, I'm just trying to win the point." I loved it. <laughs> I really loved it. <laughs> he was having all, that, all sorts of aggro. With f- I loved the way he switches into Russian for his aggro when he doesn't want his coach to understand him. Because there was some French aggro, because um, he's fluent in French and obviously his coach is French, and I was I was understanding that aggro and that was great. And then he suddenly switched into Russian to do some sort of coded aggro, and that that annoyed me that I couldn't understand that. Um, yeah, he was great. He after spending two days sort of marvelling at everybody's extraordinary layers of outerwear, Daniil Medvedev strolls out on the Suzanne Longling court. It's ten degrees. Everyone else is wearing sort of six pairs of tights. Uh, it's dark and he's wearing a baseball cap. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> he doesn't wear a baseball cap in bright sunshine. I mean, I guess because of the floodlights. But anyway, he's a he's a curiosity, isn't he? He was good fun today, but but definitely not anywhere anyone that's any close anywhere close to being a contender on this surface he's a long way off I do think he's such a clever player I do think he'll make a point over the course of his career of figuring it out of really trying to crack it but it's it's going to be a long old road I'm not I'm not sure. I just don't know whether that trajectory of shot will no. ever get I think, it done. But I think he'll try. Um, I think he'll try. You know, there are some players, Matt and I, um, just before coming on air, I noted that Angelique Kerber had lost today. Um, and I was saying, you know, it surprises me that she hasn't, I mean, she might never have been successful on the surface, but it surprises me that she hasn't made more of a concerted effort to to try, to try and adapt to clay. It feels like in her mind it's just, no, clay is never going to happen for me. I don't think Medvedev will do that. I don't think he'll just say, no, it's not the one for me. Um, but yeah, long, long road. And he doesn't have a grass court season around the corner to look forward to now, does he? At least you got your prediction right. Yes. Thank you for that. God, so annoying. John Millman's just lost five games in a row to lose. <laughs> he was 5-2 up. Yeah. All right, I know that. I've just Meanwhile, Arantxa Roos and somebody I've never heard of, Burrell, uh, initial C. Uh, oh, no. Clo- oh, yeah, I'll take it. Um, they are just going into a third set and it's 11.45pm in Paris. How many no, people no, do you think are watching so. that? How many of the 1,000 people are still there watching that, do you think? And what temperature do you reckon it is in Paris? Five degrees? Are there more people or more degrees? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Are there more people or more players? <laughs> um, 
so yeah, definitely a night session. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Uh, what else did we have today? We had Dominic Team, David. You were quite taken with Team. would that be fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, he he's, he it was a little bit of a slow start, I thought, and, and uh, part of that was because Marin Cilic actually came out playing pretty well, I thought, and it was a a rematch of their one at the U.S. Open a couple of weeks ago that team won in four and really should have won in three, but I thought Cilic really took the fight to him today, and he came into the net twenty times in a set and a half today, and his tactic was come into the net, do stunned short angled volleys that team wouldn't be able to get to because he's all the way at the back of the court and they worked some of the time he won 13 out of 20 points doing that but the rest of the time he was just marmalized from the back of the court and we talk about players who can hit through the surface well team at the end of it said I quite like these conditions you know it's a bit like being in Austria it's uh, it's a little bit cold it's not bring and I don't up mind Austria that. again David <laughs> and it, he just um looked as he looked perfectly content that he'd got this this win i mean his draw isn't isn't easy at all but 
there was a little purple patch in this in the third set he'd already got the first two sets on the board comfortably enough then he just hit three consecutive backhand winners down the line and we would in our commentary box we were just drooling over the way he was doing it 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 looked like he he could hit a winner at that point any time he decided he wanted to try um and and he just looks so confident and comfortable in his own skin as a grand slam champion matt are you regretting and should i be regretting uh what we've picked dominic team to do at this french open because i think we've picked the same thing you mean we've picked him to lose to 12-time French Open champion Rafael Nadal? I, I, yes. I still feel com- okay with that. Okay, good. I'm, <laughs> look- I'm, looking for, I'm looking for reassurance and I found it. Great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I, I can't pick someone to beat Nadal. I mean, it's the French Open and he's healthy. So I'm, I'm still going with him. But I agree, team looked great. And if there were any doubts at all that he was going to struggle to in his first match back as a Grand Slam champion, in his first match back on clay. I mean, that those were just erased immediately. And um, I think actually Gunter Bresnik, his his former coach, came up with a with a line the other day that, you know, you don't need to worry about team adapting to clay. It only takes him half an hour from any surface whatsoever. He's just so natural on it. And um, that kind of showed, because like David said, I thought Chilich had the correct game plan. It's just that, he was made to make quite a lot of errors because he had to push himself to the absolute upper limits and extremities of his game. And if Chilich is having to do that against Team, I think that kind of shows you just how well Dominic Team is playing. And I'm already getting a little bit excited about the prospects of Team versus Wawrinka in round four. Two two people who I think are just go like like we've said thriving in these conditions and. I mean, last year I was excited about the Wawrinka sits a pass round four, and that happened and was glorious. And this feels like this feels like the one that needs to happen at this event. Mm. I'm quite looking forward to Jack Sock in the next round for a team, but I thought I, thought, I just think his, his <laughs> backhand won't stand up to it, will it? No, I think Dominic Team will will make mincemeat out of Jack Sock. I mean, you've just you've just sold me a story about Dominic Team being invincible. So no, of course I don't think Jack Sock's going to trouble him. <laughs> you don't have to take all my <laughs> stories as absolute certainties. Um, <laughs> Give him my record. I have heard uh, heard word that Petra Kvitova against Ossian Dodin, first up on Chatrier today, was a cracker. Straight sets for for Kvitova six three seven five. Played under the roof. We know that Kvitova loves indoor tennis. Should we be talking about Petra Kvitova, perhaps? Well, I think if she's always able to play in those conditions, absolutely. I think it's possible that she might not be on the Chatre court and there could be a lot of wind and suddenly I wouldn't be fancying her in these conditions. But today, absolutely, she hit 29 winners in the match and just generally just generally struck the ball so well and and threw Dodin. And um, she was talking about how she has changed her string tension this week, you know, and we're talking about players making adjustments. And she says she never does that, but she's decided it's kind of a necessity. And it really worked today, whether, whether she would have to change it again if she was playing in different conditions. But certainly she was excellent and she's in the right half of the draw. She's in the bottom half, which I think is going to be quite open and a little bit of a free-for-all. So perhaps someone like Kvitova could could come through it. 
Is that the half you've got Fiona Farrow bulldozing her way through? The very same. <laughs> um, it's it just incidentally um, if for for technical listeners, is she is she gone up or down on her string tension? She's gone down, so she's getting more power. More power, right? Yes, that would make sense. Um, we had Elise Cornet winning an all French battle. We had Kiki Burton's. Now this match was. First up on Suzanne Longlen, um, she was involved in a very weird match with Katerina Zavatska, a young Ukrainian. 6-2 for Zavatska, the first set. 6-2 to Burton's, the second set. And the third set was 6-love and Zavatska ran out of rackets. Would that be an accurate summary? That is exactly what happened. <laughs> she only had three <laughs> with her and she broke strings in all of them. In a, in a very congested period of time. So there wasn't sort of time for them to get restrung. So she, that's, once, once that's the third one went... To, I mean, people don't really break strings mm. that often anymore. That's, mm, okay. And uh, once the third one went, she sort of just held up her racket, looked at her coach, and um, her coach passed her his own racket, which he happened to have, have with him. Should that be allowed? Should that be allowed? Yes, I think Yes. I think that's fine. I think you've you've got to bring your equipment to the court. But she did. I mean, I think if she'd smashed all her rackets, I mean, that is like Goran Ivanisevic famously did and literally broke them himself. But breaking a string can't really be helped, can it? Well, bring more rackets if you're prone to string breakage. Do you know what only having three rackets and breaking three strings says to me? Sabotage. <laughs> I'd be not Kiki I'd Burns. Be, I'd be getting a detective on that case. <laughs> I'm not I'm not pointing any fingers. <laughs> Kiki Burton's the the Tonya Harding of tennis. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that is not an accusation. Um, Kiki Burton. She. I mean, she's the fifth seed. She has come in with no form whatsoever. But equally, she came in with a lot of form last year and hated that and crashed out to, of all people, Victoria Kuzmova. Well, she had to retire with an illness, but that's not what Kuzmova's telling people. <laughs> um, and uh, so I don't know what to make of Kiki Buttons. She's in no form at all. You know, at one point today, she was 6-2 down to, to Katerina Zavatsko, who I hadn't heard of before today. And I'm thinking, well, she's, you know, she's a write-off this year, but... I think she likes being written off. So so I just well, don't know. She likes to not be talked about for sure. And she is a natural clay quarter. She does love the surface. So but I I can't remember what the what what the illness or injury was last week when she pulled out. But it, it was, was Achilles. Uh, it, was, it was an Achilles injury, but she did right. say she said she felt something um and she said it was mostly preventative the retirement because the French Open was around the corner. Mm. Well, she's certainly a threat if she can get a run together. And it's quite an impressive turnaround today because we talk so much about, you know, team and Nadal coming into this tournament and being able to play themselves into it a little bit, given that they haven't got so many matches that they would like. Well, Kiki Burton's doesn't have the luxury of five sets to play herself into it. She was a set from going out of this tournament in round one and to be able to 
sort of maintain a sense of calm about it, like I think she did. I think she realized that Zavatska was probably going to unravel a little bit. And if I just stay solid here, I can I can come through this. And, you know, there was a real urgency required and yeah and she managed to do that and she's still in the tournament i think that's i think that's quite a underrated win probably for burton's today i would probably apply similar uh, logic to elena svitolina's win over vivara gracheva seven six six four she was four love up in the first set got and and then got pegged back and then served for it at five four um, and eventually got taken to the tie break. And she was down in the second set as well. She was 3-1, trailing by break. She really had to grit her teeth through that one. Quick turnaround from the win in, win in Strasbourg. Um, she wasn't enjoying herself today. Gracheva, um she's got lovely smooth strokes, really nice to watch, and she could hit through the court. And Svitolina, you know, she, yes, she's comfortable being a, a counter-puncher, but... She's she's not comfortable having to completely generate her own pace. She, she wants to have some pace to absorb from the other end of the court, and there was just, just nothing today, um, and it was mm. tough for her. But she did she did problem solve, and she did adapt, and she hung tough. Um, you know, I do I do worry she doesn't have the weapons in these conditions, but I do think she has the mentality to do well. So she's going to be interesting to watch i think third seed she she you were saying yesterday david that form you think is going to be critical well she's coming in off the win in strasbourg well yeah she certainly ha- had a few clay court miles under the belt there i mean the, the the issue for her is she doesn't have the grand slam pedigree over the years she's got to a semi-final finally but she's never looked like winning one of them and she usually just runs into somebody who's playing lights out tennis and it, and she didn't really have that in her game and uh so yeah i i think she needs other people not to be on it as much and i know that sounds pretty harsh but i just think that's the case really i think she will give you a good solid level but she will probably run into somebody who's just playing too good yeah i, th- I think i probably agree on the basis of today um, she then probably watched from the locker room or wherever she was post-match, her boyfriend Guillermo Fils crash out over the French Open in four sets to Alexander Bublik. The first time Monfils has lost in the first round of his home slam since 2005 on his debut as a wild card. And that was to Guillermo Canias who very much sounds like a name from the past, just to, to put that into context. It was... It was quite a sorry sight today, Gamalfis. He was so flat. I I don't think he was injured or ill. He, he was moving fine. There were flashes of the Gamalfis we know, and and it wasn't a question of not being able to hit through the court because when he did, he he really had success. When he when he unleashed on the forehand and found his range, it was impressive, and it was everything that we love about Gamalfis but it would only be for one or two points at a time and then it would fall apart. Um, I think he hit 10 or more double faults today, was really struggling on serve, didn't enjoy being messed around by Alexander Bublik, didn't enjoy didn't enjoy the... <laughs> the I don't think... I don't think he had that much of a problem with the antics of Bublik. I think he went onto the court expecting it. I don't think he enjoyed sort of having to be the straight man 
today well Biblic did his thing you know Monfils not with agro or antics or anything but he likes to to the be the be the guy you're looking at doesn't he he likes to be yeah, the one to, to draw the show. your eye and, and he wasn't the show today Biblic was Gail Monfils without fans is just not Gail Monfils to my mind uh, and I didn't watch the match but I just can't imagine it you were commenting on that while you were watching, Catherine, you were saying, you know, this match needs a crowd. Monfils needs a crowd to get into it. And that that really reminded me of a conversation you had with Daniela Hantakova on the Prime coverage. I don't know whether it was during the US Open or maybe during uh, Kentucky, but you were debating whether, whether not having fans is going to be helpful or a hindrance for what you might call the showy players and Monfils would be one of them whether not having the fans to actually play up to might kind of focus their minds and just sort of concentrate them on their actual tennis and whether whether they'll be able to produce well I think today was the firm and hard evidence that those players are best when they have that crowd and when they when they are playing up to them and that that in itself brings out their own best tennis and I noticed that Fabio Fanini lost today in the first round as well and he's probably another one that you would put in that category it was just just kind of dead on the court and wasn't able to find any kind of inspiration and yeah it was a it's quite a miserable sorry mm. sight Bublik's underarm serve wasn't they that was just a thing of absolute beauty. <laughs> so it's so good the 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 way he the way he fakes it, the way he sets up to do the overarm, and then just right at the last minute, it's and it's it was joy. an ace, right? It was an ace. Yeah, yeah, clean ace. If you were going to back anyone to sort of sprint and get an underarm serve, it would be Monfils. So I think that kind of just shows how well disguised and. How good yeah, it was! Absolutely, it's a, it a very different gems uh, life post <laughs> lockdown results. I mean, Svitolina can yes. barely lose a match, and Monfils can't even win a match. And um, yeah, kind of strange. I noticed I they've launched... heard anyone say gems life for a while, Matt. I I well, hadn't missed it. Well, I brought it up because they've launched uh, their own program together. Have you seen about this? On Twitch. Like TV, TV program. Oh, God. Twitch, which was the alternative sponsor that made uh, Morphise <laughs> withdraw from the virtual Madrid Open. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Those weird times back yeah. in May. What's Twitch for my mum? It's a site where yeah, people... Ask, David's asking for a friend, <laughs> yeah. It's a site where people film themselves playing video games and other online You watch other services. people play video games, David. Yeah. Film themselves what playing a computer game. Everyone's doing it, apparently, including Gem's life. Yeah, although they're not playing video games. Who wants to watch somebody else playing a computer game? Well, apparently hundreds of millions of people. Yeah, it is big. And um, their contribution to Twitch is is something called Catch Up or something, where they're just talking about tennis every Sunday. But That sounds like a podcast. I know, but but they don't have the rights, I don't think, to talk about slams. So they're not going to be doing them for the next two weeks. (laughs) Right, okay. I'll make a note of that in my diary. Um, Have we got the right? <laughs> that, is, that is what I'm slightly worrying about as well. Um, now, the reason that Monfils didn't have even a smattering of fans watching him on Long Len is probably because of Corentin Mute, who was drawing the f- the fans to him like uh, a moth to a flame. <laughs> 
in uh, his match against that somebody help me here lorenzo giustino that's that's the badger uh what was the final score in this six hour six minute match uh 18 16 in the fifth set um this was a match which literally could only happen at the french open yes this was a match which started yesterday with a six love set and it was still going on today at yeah eighteen sixteen in the fifth. Um, it's the second longest match in French Open history. The other one was also played over two days. Um, I think that was uh, and Giustino was, and was the winner. Yes, yes, he was the winner. Um, Moutet served for it at least twice in the fifth set, yeah. and um, I think in. In total, he won something like 25 more points in the match, you know, a whole set's worth. I, I suppose that was the six love set. Um, but it was, it was an, as you said, the, the fans sort of, I hesitate to use the word flock to it because there was probably only, there's probably only about 100 there, but it made such a difference. And it's, it's one of my favourite courts at the French Open. It's kind of sunk into the ground and there is this amphitheatre feel and they were really getting into it. And, um, both players were quite volatile and emotional. You know, we know Moutet is, but uh, Giustino was as well. And they were both he's, sort of giving it back to each other. And it was, it was great, great fun. He's not watching his millions drip down tonight, is he? That probably feels a bit silly. There was, there was definitely... Talking about millions. I mean, there was definitely a drip down joke to be made when uh, Moutet was in tears at the end of it. But I, I didn't want I'm to make that joke. I'm afraid he just it has just, to suck up the drip down jokes because he's made his bed there <laughs> uh enrico riva the uh the the stat man who's who's so good uh put out this this stat that in 2019 giustino earned eighty three thousand and seventy one euros in 65 matches combined and today Having won his second main draw match, he won more than that. He won eighty four thousand in a week. He should, he so, should uh, uh, release a rap single about it. <laughs> and, um, and and he qualified as well. So he's he's played something like thirteen hours of tennis to get to round two. So whoever's got yikes. him in the next round, <laughs> Bonanza. Um, he ended last year with nine consecutive losses. Garbini Muguruza, uh, eight know? six in the third. What happened there? You got lucky. Well, I mean, that's what happened there. <laughs> is that what happened? Did Muguruza get lucky? I don't know. I didn't see the match, but I mean, she was was she was three love down in the deciding set against uh, Tamara Zidansek. Um And like I say, we, we didn't have a monitor on that match, but that did not look a good situation. But she's a fighter, isn't she, Magarutha? The reason I say Catherine and Matt got lucky is because haven't you both got her in the final? Yes. yes. Oh. She just, she just <sighs> for just some reason, seemed like a safer bet than is. Jennifer Brady. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> Something to do with having won the title. D- have you ever seen Jennifer Brady play on clay, David? No. I mean, I've barely seen her at all until a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, uh, now I think she's awesome. Um, so, um, so anyway, she, she, makes her, she makes her bow tomorrow. Muguruza is through. Uh, Von Drusheva, last year's finalist, is not. She uh, made her exit 
pretty limply at the hands of Iga Sviantec. Now, look, that is a tough first round draw. Sviantec, her breakthrough was at the French Open last year, wasn't it? Did she reach the round of 16 um, as a 16-year-old or 18-year-old, rather? Um, and nonetheless, the, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily have even said Von Drusheva was a, a favourite for that match today, but the manner of that defeat was was a little bit sad for me. How much of it did you did you get to see, Matt? Yeah, I saw the second set, basically, and it was a bit sad because Vondrosheva was completely different to the player we saw at Roland Garros last year where everything everything she was touching, basically, was just perfect. You know, such a fluidity to her game. Didn't, didn't she reach the final without dropping a single set, I think? And um, there's such variety in her game and creativity and... Was, it was kind of lacking a bit today, and she was quite, she was quite moody and sulking a little bit on the court. She doesn't, she doesn't seem particularly happy. I didn't think um, she wasn't helped by the fact that Sviantek was fantastic, and I was kind of surprised that she wasn't seeded because she's she's certainly playing tennis of that caliber, and um, she's she's another player who's got so much choice in her game, and yet she always seems to deploy the right shot at the right time it's very impressive and she she had no trouble hitting through the court she hit a she had a lot of winners and um was just generally the much more positive player out there and I mean I joined the match in the second set and it was never never in doubt at all who was going to win that match and she now plays Sue Shea yes oh brilliant yeah. fantastic section of the draw that is going to be great. Um, what else have we had today? Uh, Liam Brody lost out in four sets, I think, mm. to uh, Yuji Vesley. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah, it was, and he, well, um, Brody did well to, to level it at one set all, and, and it looked like he was he had a chance to to extend it all the way, um, but I mean. Vesley's just a bit too good. I mean, two left-handers. Vesley, I've always thought that he would do more in his career, to be honest, than he's ended up doing. Uh, if you think back to when he beat Djokovic in Monte Carlo and Djokovic was the totally dominant player in the world and just literally not losing matches and, and he beat him there. I, I always thought he would do more, but when you put these two up against each other, Brody had done really well to get there and he just didn't quite have enough. He, he fought and he got to four sets, but uh, yeah, he was pretty well beaten in the And end. Cam Norrie lost out in five sets uh, under the lights to Gallan. How much of uh, how much that did you see, David? Very little, um, but he, I know Norrie was two sets to one up um, and that's that's a pretty poor loss, to be honest, in the end. I mean, I'd, I'd, look, maybe he's playing a guy who's way better than I am aware of, but he's playing an opponent that's 150-odd in the world and he was two sets to one up, Norrie. That's, that's a rough loss. He, I've always thought Cameron Norrie doesn't perform his best when he's the favourite in a match. I, I feel like this is something that's been a, a thing with Norrie for a while. I mean, if you think back to the... Even just the U.S. Open, he was okay. He wasn't brilliant against Diego Schwartzman, but he played very well in that match when he wasn't expected to win. And he's had a few what you would think are kind draws at Slams when he's been the favourite in a match, and he's not quite managed to take advantage of them. I think he prefers the dynamics when he's the underdog. British hopes now rest on Heather Watson, who faces uh, Matt's new femme du jour, Fiona Ferro. <laughs> 
<laughs> tomorrow. I must make it clear that Matt has not used that expression. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all on Heather Watson, but she's taking on future quarter finalist Fiona Farrow apparently tomorrow. Uh, Jan Leonard Struff got the better of Francis Tiafo. That's in my notes. Does anybody want to talk about that? Five sets, I think, was it? Yes, mm. only because he's Epic. also in my quarterfinals. <laughs> Oh, is that why you've put it in the notes? Yeah, so that was a right. that was another sigh of relief today. Um, okay, well, to to counteract your smugness, Victoria Kuzmova, Matt, the latest, the latest in the series of disappointments. Yeah, six one <laughs> six two to Christina Pliskova. Didn't see a ball of it. I've moved on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, last couple of bits of business then we've got Nick Kyrgios giving Mats Volander very predictable aggro on Twitter in follow up to Volander's comments about Andy Murray yesterday says just read what Volander said about Andy Murray shut up Mats no one cares Mars just know that however long you stay we all appreciate and enjoy your tennis and banter also I've never watched the point of Mats Volander and then there are some emojis I mean a bit like Victoria Azarenka yesterday when she was making a scene and exiting the long lane court. I agree with all of the sentiments. He's just rather ruined it with the with the last point about just sort of mm. saying I've never watched. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to see what's good about never having watched a point of the career of a seven-time Grand Slam champion and former world number one. What What's... No. What, how does that strengthen your argument? It doesn't, but I think looking to Nick Kyrgios for watertight logical arguments is probably not what we should all be doing. But anyway, Karen sticking Hatchinov up for his mate, had a go he? back at him. Yeah. Yes, and Karen that, Hatchinov that, told him that to, to didn't pull his head in. Catch fire oh, in the way it that just I... has. Oh, oh, yeah. breaking news! Oh, oh, excellent. F- five minutes ago, Kyrgios replied to Hatchinov saying, "Nah, I'm good, dude." Muzz and I respect each other, and if someone starts talking about one of mine, then I'll come at them. I'm supposed to respect Matt's? For what? Hitting a ball over the net? I don't give my respect for that. Right. (sighs) This is is all getting so dignified. Will you put it on the agenda? (laughs) Um, We will keep you updated on um, just boys having a pissing contest on Twitter. I'm sure you're all on the edge of your seats. Um, final bit of business. Checkinato pronunciation. We'd be getting it right, David. I think were we? Turns out we were. Turns out we were. In fact, just to prove that point of uh, of, of how we how we pronounce Checkinato's name, here's something we were sent on Twitter by one of our followers and listeners who drew our attention to somebody that had filmed a little bit of John McEnroe trying to get to grips with this and the subsequent confirmation. Just have a listen to this. Is it Yes, so that was Tancredi Palmieri, who is a being sports correspondent uh, and also a contributor to Gazetta della Sport, who was uh, heard there, and wasn't he magnificent? Yes, he. Yes, he so was. So we got it right, Catherine. Yeah, it's like a scene from The Godfather. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I think that's it for day two of the weirdest Grand Slam of all time, certainly in our memory. <laughs> it's, a, um, it's not getting any less weird, is it's it? It's not 
getting any less weird. No, I, we all need to embrace the weird. Um, I'll work on that yeah. tomorrow. Um, we haven't mentioned Cam, so I'm going to. Cam is our lovely mascot. He's a border collie. He's a sheep herder that doesn't like sheep. <laughs> um, he is owned by lovely Steve, um, who who brought Cam to our attention. And Steve made the most magnificent video about Cam um, to bring him to our attention uh, and put him forward as a candidate to be our official second French Open mascot. Um, as my as my brother said yesterday when I sent it to him, he said, that's like a professional quality video. I've seen charity adverts with lower production standards than that. <laughs> um, and he's absolutely right. It is well worth three minutes of your time. Um, if you haven't watched Cam's or Steve's video about Cam, you absolutely should. Um, you won't regret it. You might need some tissues, but you won't regret it. And we are chuffed and proud to have Cam as our French Open mascot. And no pressure, Steve, you've done us proud already, but we would we would love some further Cam Cam content. That then that is silence, yeah. but they're nodding. They're nodding. Yeah. Go on, Steve. Get on it. <laughs> Yeah, what he said. Uh, so this has been day two of Roland Garros 2020. What are we in store for tomorrow? Weirdness, I reckon. We'll see you then. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market